everybody, it's Rob here at Rise with Enjoying the Journey. It's so good to be back with you. Just been processing a lot this last week. Not sure where you're at, but if we realize it's been a year since the pandemic kind of hit our world. And I remember the event I was at in person when the world shut down a year ago. And the crazy thing is, this last weekend, I was able to be back at that same event live and in person with youth. It was a youth conference. Really excited to be back there. And what I took away from it was, you know, we haven't been around a whole lot of live events in the last year, but we were worshiping again together as a pretty large group. And to hear students sing again in worship just brought joy to my heart. So I don't know where you're at. I don't know if you're feeling lonely today or if you feel like you've been isolated forever. I just want to give you a little hope that I believe we're turning a corner and soon we will be able to be together again, singing, being at sporting events, going to concerts, or just being out and about, whatever uh, brings your heart joy. For mine, it was being at a live event with a good amount of people again singing. And it was just super cool. And so it brought a lot of joy to my heart and uh, just had a lot of fun, which reminds me, I was actually in the area geographically of the story that we're going to share today on Enjoying the Journey. So I was down in central Iowa and this, this guy that we're going to interview today, his name is Carson King. I can't wait for you to meet him. His story is really cool. It actually started out kind of as a fun, not prank, that's not the right word but just kind of as a joke for something called uh, college game day. For those of you football fans out there, you'll know what I'm talking about. So we get to sit down today with Carson King, hear about how he put together a poster board that caught the camera of college game day and where it took him from there. So I hope that you are encouraged today from Carson's story. And as always, I hope you find just a little bit more joy in your journey. All right, we are excited to be back on Enjoying the Journey today. We got a special guest. I'm really excited because, well, he's a superstar on College Game Day. So you all might be wondering, what are you talking about, Rob? Well, College Game Day is my favorite show in the fall. My wife actually makes fun of ESPN. She calls it ESPN. She won't even acknowledge that it's called ESPN because she hates sports, well, in general and also in the fall. But I love college football. And uh, Carson, we are so excited to have you on Enjoying the Journey. For those of you who have never heard of Carson King, I think once you hear his story, you'll, you'll remember who this guy is. And, and we're just so grateful to have you on here. So welcome. Thanks for having me. It's an honor. Oh, so good. So good to see you. So good to uh, kind of go down this road with this story. Um, I alluded to it a, a minute ago, college game day, but I was so impressed because I do. I watch college game day, you know, almost every Saturday if we're not on the road or whatever. Absolutely love college game day. And here they are in Ames, Iowa mm -hmm. doing college game day. So take us take us down the road. What was this like? Yeah, so uh, it was actually kind of a freak thing that they even came to Ames because uh, there was some crazy loss with Syracuse the like you know the weekend before and it was kind of last minute they decided to come to Ames and uh, all my friends and I you know we're huge fans of game day we're huge fans of college football um, obviously I'm a big Iowa State guy so you know, I 
love everything about it. We were really excited because we'd gone to game day for basketball uh, in Ames before, but they'd never come for football. So this was a really cool, possibly yeah. once in a lifetime opportunity for us, you know, knowing our records. Um, <laughs> and uh, we, uh, so we decided we were going to go to game day. And all my friends, we were all originally planning on making signs and, you know, it'd be fun. We get there really early, try to stand by the stage. All my friends decided, no, nope, we're not going to do science. It's just going to be a hassle. And they told me not to make anything. And I was like, nah, it'll be funny. I'll, I'll do it. So I thought, what would be fun? So right. on, uh, on one side of it, I put Brock Purdy is corn Jesus, just because that's a joke that one of the West Virginia <laughs> fans called him. And oh, I thought that was really good. So I put that on there. On the other side, I asked uh, Bush Light Supply Needs Replenish with my Venmo account, which is, you know, like the cash transaction thing. And right. Thought maybe someone behind me sees it and gets a chuckle and sends us 20 bucks and we have enough to cover our tailgating for the night. You know, just sure. something simple. That'd be really cool. And then uh, we got there and it was way too late. We were nowhere near the main stage. We looked over in the corner and there was this little circle stage off in the middle of nowhere. And we're like, oh, maybe there's going to be a one-on-one -on -one interview here. You know, this might be cool. We're going to see David or Maria do a one-on-one -on -one interview. Yeah. So we stood by it and we had somewhere to lean on and, you know, kind of take our the weight off of our feet for a little bit. And then pretty soon everything just got filled in. We looked up and here comes the camera crew, the security crew, and the entire cast from College Game Day walks directly to us. Oh. Um, I mean, like Kirk Herbstreet was right here using this bright red. <laughs> laser it was the coolest thing in the world he shook all of our hands they talked to us so i held up my dumb little sign you know didn't think anything of it i was on tv for 10 15 seconds sure. um they left we're like oh that was so cool i got a couple texts from my parents and they're like oh we saw you yay <laughs> my, my buddy tyler he's like hey who keeps blowing up your phone he's like it keeps going off and i looked down and it wasn't text messages it was my venmo account and I had over $400 in there within 15 minutes of being on TV. Wow. And we thought, wow. Yeah, exactly. We thought, wow. wow, this will be such a fun night out on Welch, which is the kind of the, you know, the bar area yeah. in Ames. And we're like, oh, this will be good. You know, we'll, it'll be fun. Right. And then a lot of the people around us heard about what was going on. They thought it was really fun. And pretty quickly, within another 15 minutes or so, we hit $600. And at that point, I was like, well, I... I think I can do a little bit better than, you know, my own good time out on the town with my friends. So I wanted to send it to some type of charity. I didn't really know what, but you know, it started formulating and then time went on uh, game day filming got over. We went back to our tailgate and at the tailgate, I called my parents and my brother, and my sister, they were all watching from my parents' house. And uh, we talked about what we're going to do, told them what was going on. I told them how much we had, which at that point was 1600 bucks. Wow. And then uh, <laughs> I said, you know, what are we going to do with this? I want to send it to charity or hospital some type. And we discussed it and we decided on the Stead Family Children's Hospital in Iowa City. Mm -hmm. um, the cool thing about that hospital, obviously, I'm an Iowa State guy, right. but the University of Iowa hospitals, they serve people all around Iowa, the Midwest and the country. I mean, they're one of the best in the world. Um, they have the number one, like number one or two neonatal surgeon in the world. Like they're very good at what they do. Yeah. Um and of course, one of the coolest traditions in college football is Kinnick Stadium is right next to the Stead Family Children's Hospital. And at the end of the first quarter, when there's games in Iowa City, everyone in the stadium turns and they wave at the kids on the 12th floor. And it's the most surreal three and a half minutes in, in your life. It, it's really breathtaking. It's humbling. It's I'm not a super emotional guy, but sure. the first time I got to do it, I mean, I was almost in tears. It's yeah. 
so incredible. It's so it's, we decided, it's very powerful. I, I, um, I got to be there to do it a couple times, so I know exactly what you're explaining, and it is incredible. It, what I love about it, and, and just to give uh, our listeners a little context, is yeah, you're Iowa State, we're Iowa, so they could put it in context of where they live. I mean, you're talking arch nemesis. I mean, this is a rivalry. This is ginormous. This is and our Super Bowl. <laughs> yes, this is this is the big deal. And so to watch what happens at the end of that first quarter at Kinnick Stadium with the hospital that you're describing, the Stead Family Hospital, it's not just Iowa fans that turn and and wave to the kids. It's whoever they're playing. They're playing that that week, which is just unbelievable. Mm -hmm. And it's it's fans, it's players, it's yep. coaches, it's referees, it's people standing outside of the stadium on the sidewalks turn. I mean, it's it's really it's touching. It's it's an experience. Um, but we wanted to send to them. I mean, there's a lot of people that they impact, not only Iowa fans, Iowa State, you know, people all over the Midwest and the world even come in. Um, there was a statistic, I don't really remember the exact stats, but there was something about kids born like close to 26 weeks gestation, you know, really super premature. Mm -hmm. um, the national survival rate for them is like 9% at the children's hospitals. At the University of Iowa hospitals, it's 70%. Oh. So they're literally saving lives yes. <laughs> constantly. And I just thought, you know, that was really deserving, you know, being an Iowa State guy, you know, a lot of people that have ties to that hospital one way or another. And that's what we wanted to do. We want to help some sick kids, you know, and awesome. Excited on that. Uh, we shared it on social media and uh, it took off really quickly. I think that so that was Saturday, Saturday afternoon. I think by Sunday morning, I got a phone call from a couple of different radio stations in Des Moines asking if I'd come on and do interviews. So like at 5 a.m., I got on a couple of <laughs> interviews and uh, talked about it. I don't know who was listening, but really quickly after that, I had calls from all over the country um, for radio interviews and magazine and newspaper interviews. Um, like I had some from Anchorage, Alaska, Orlando, Florida, San Diego, uh, Chicago, St. Louis, New York. Um, I even had some in the, in the UK and in Australia. Um, CNN UK picked it up. A bunch of, bunch of news outlets in Australia picked it up. It was, it was really weird. I mean, it got international news for right. some strange reason. Right. And uh, it was really cool. And I, then I got a phone call pretty soon after from Good Morning America. It was uh, like on a Thursday, the Thursday following. So not even a week out. I was on my day off from work and they're like, hey, how would you feel about coming to New York to do Good Morning America and get interviewed by Michael Strahan? And oh, wow. I was like, that, yeah, I'd love to. I'm like, all right, your flight leaves in four hours. We'll see you soon. Oh, wow. Oh, <laughs> I, was, wow. I was like, okay, let me call work. I'm going to tell them I'm not going to be in tomorrow and <laughs> we'll go from there. Um, so we flew out to New York and pretty soon, like on my way out there, um, I got calls from a bunch of other TV stations and programs out there, um, you know, ESPN, CNN, ABC, NBC, Fox, all kinds of different ones. And they all wanted to have us out there and come on their shows and talk or do radio interviews. And it was, it was surreal. And uh, by the time we got back, I think we had just hit over a million dollars total, um, did a couple more things. Uh, I mean, by the end of it, we had raised over $3 million uh, during that time span. Um, Bushlight and Venmo had pledged to match whatever came into my Venmo account. 
Wow. And uh, it was a big deal. So if you sent in $5, it got turned into $15 to help right. save kids instantly, which was a big deal. Um, there were tons of up and downs. I was able to experience um, the good and the bad side of social media. Um, at some point, the, I got contacted by a, a reporter for the Des Moines Register who was, you know, he's like, hey, you made some, you retweeted uh, Tosh.0 when you were 15 years old, you were a freshman or whatever. And it's like, right. you know, what do you think? And I was like, oh, you know, the stupid, immature sense of humor. Um, it was a bad joke. You know, I obviously didn't mean anything by it. It was just a retweet from this, you know, comedian. Mm -hmm. And uh, it blew up and it was, everything was blown out of proportion. I thought, you know, my best thing to do was to be an adult and take ownership for my past mistakes and own up to, hey, you know, I did this when I was little, I was stupid and, you know, moving forward, I'm a grown adult. I'm mature. I'm, you know, caring. And this is what we're doing now. And uh, people resonated with that. And uh, it turned out, you know, the reporter himself had some quite a few uh, pretty unsavory tweets of his own. Sure. And, uh, you know, people found those out. And it was, you know, it was really eye opening for a lot of people about, you know, you know, looking at yourself before you look at others and judge others. And it's uh, it gave a really cool view of you know, kind of reflection on yourself. And it gave me this little platform to now I, I talk to schools and businesses about, you know, power of positivity and, you know, how one person can make a difference and the power of social media, which is really important in today's world. I mean, when I was in, you know, middle school, high school, it was just me and like 60 people. And it was just a giant group chat is all we used it for. And now it's, that's, People look for it when they're hiring for work, when you're doing college applications, when you're uh, doing anything. I mean, social media, it's permanent. There's ways to find it no matter what. I mean, you can't scroll back more than like three years on Twitter and you're still able to find things that happened eight years ago. And it's 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 really powerful tool and it's really dangerous if you're not very careful with it. And that's something I can raise awareness of with my own you know, experience. Um, but by the end of that, I think when that happened, we were at $1.14 million. And then pretty quickly within the next week, uh, we hit two. And then finally we hit $3 million. Uh, we send it all to the Stead Family Children's Hospital. Uh, we got to go do the wave and do the donation in person. I got to keep the giant check. It's like a 10 foot check. It's really cool. Oh, cool. <laughs> and uh, when I made the donation, I had a couple interviews with a couple of the TV stations. And they said, you know, what are you doing next? Well, my plan was just to go back to work because I'm a really normal guy and, you know, being put into the spotlight wasn't anything I really wanted, you know, and sure. I just wanted to help people and keep going forward with my life. And then I realized, you know, I've got a chance to kind of help a lot of people out here using the notoriety and the experience and connections I've, I've gained. Um, so I thought, well, why don't I start my own charity? So I looked into it, made some phone calls, and we started the Carson King Foundation, which helps children and families across Iowa um, support themselves and helps multiple organizations and um, fundraisers and events and communities just support each other. Uh, we started that on Super Bowl Sunday of 2020. Uh, we picked a really crazy year to start a nonprofit. Yeah. <laughs> but we were able to do a bunch of really cool stuff. Like uh, our very first fundraiser was a t-shirt fundraiser for mental health services across the state. Uh, my board and I kind of realized that with lockdown and everything, people didn't have their physical outlets. They couldn't see their family. They couldn't see their friends. And that takes a toll on your mental health. And there's such a weird stigma around mental health 
that it's either super normalized and people don't care or it's this weird they treat it like a plague and no one wants to talk about it and that's you know that's strange because it's very real and we were able to raise over forty thousand dollars in that you know week span and mm. send it off to four different nonprofits across Iowa. Uh, we sent one to the Wabansi Mental Health Research Center in Clorinda, which is where I was born. Uh, Please pass the love and NAMI, uh, both out of Des Moines, and then the um, Blackhawk Grundy Mental Health Resource Center out in Blackhawk and Grundy counties. Mm. Uh, so we were able to kind of encompass all of Iowa, and that was that was a really fun one. And then the derecho happened. Yeah. Uh, we were able to do another fundraiser and we sold Iowa strong shirts and we got some corporate sponsors on board for that. And we were able to raise over $75,000 for different organizations that were helping with storm relief, whether that be people that were displaced, you know, lost food, lost power, needed rent, um, medications that were being stored in fridges that they didn't have power to keep good anymore. They had to replace medications, just all kinds of different things. And then, um, you know, we just kind of kept building and doing different fundraisers, different events, you know, virtually. And uh, we did um, food banks across the state. We did a whole bunch of different things. I've worked with the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation, MS Moments for Multiple Sclerosis, um, LLS, the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. I've worked with the American Heart Association with all kinds of different things using the knowledge I have and kind of the, the presence I have with social media and people around Iowa and the Midwest and the country to gain notoriety for these guys. And uh, a good one is like the Ronald McDonald house. You know, a lot of people, they, they've heard of it and they're like, oh, you send your pop tabs in. A lot of people don't exactly know what they do. The Ronald McDonald house gives shelter to families that have kids fighting for their lives in the hospitals. They don't have to worry about food. They don't have to worry about clothing. They don't have to worry about shelter. They've, they've got it all right there. That's something that's completely out of their minds so they can focus all their energy on these kids. And that's, you know, really, really important. And it's really, I, I can't, I'm not a parent. I have two fantastic nephews that I adore and, you know, I give my life for, and I couldn't imagine if they were stuck in a hospital fighting something and to be able to have that weight lifted off your shoulders and not worry about it. I mean, give you a chance to breathe as a parent or as a family member. That's, that's big time. Absolutely. Absolutely. We've done a lot of cool stuff and we're still working on more. And I've even uh, been able to start a beer fundraiser. Uh, we did Midwest Legend beer and a uh, dollar from every pint sold from any brewery that wants to brew it. It was all open source. It still is. Goes to my foundation to help victims of the storm and people that were affected in Iowa from other causes. And it's still going on. And we're still working on some cool stuff and planning events for this year and different you know, virtual in-person and, you know, beer fundraisers this year. So it's, it'll be, it'll be a good time. Yeah. So, so this, this giving, you know, that it seems internal ever since uh, the Venmo postcard or whatever you sign was held up in the air. Where do you think that comes from? I mean, I, I mean, you could have ridden off into the sunset left it quiet, not done anything, not cared about others, not, what do you think that that came from? Uh, a lot of it comes from, I'm from a smaller town. Uh, we had about 1800 people. My graduating class was 66. Um, you know, we're all very close. It's very community oriented, very family oriented and very, you know, faith oriented. Mm. And it was just something growing up that was instinctually, if you get a chance to help someone, you're going to take it. 
you know, I was involved with mission trips and with, you know, different fundraisers, dance marathon, all kinds of cool stuff when I was growing up. And my parents were very selfless. I mean, my, uh, my mom worked for a newspaper and she was all about volunteering for any local community projects. Uh, my dad was in law enforcement for 27 years. And obviously that's, that's big in community service. And, uh, you know, that was just something that's ingrained to us that, you know, your life not might, might not be perfect, but it's better than a lot of other people's. And if you get a chance to help someone, even for a little bit, you know, that's, that's big, that'll really change their life in some one way or another. So we were able to just go off our values. And that's kind of what drove me to wanted to give back. Awesome. So what, what do you, you said you were working when this all, when this all came about and you were flown out to New York and, and things like, what, what were you doing at that time? At that time, I was a security supervisor for Prairie Meadows Casino in Altoona. Um, I was actually in charge. It's a racetrack and casino, and I was the head of security for the backside, which is where they keep all the horses and stuff like that. Really fun job. And, uh, you know, my original goal was to get into social work or law enforcement. Like I wanted to do narcotics investigation, possibly just something, you know, something community service oriented. So I figured, you know, this is a good way to get work experience, make connections. And uh, I didn't want to complete my degree on student loans. I wanted to sit back, work, pay it off because I saw my student loan bills at one point and I didn't yep. like that my parents were co-signed on that amount. So I wanted to pay it back on myself for going back and work experience was the best way to do it. Awesome. So now on this crazy journey, right? You've been on this crazy, crazy journey with the foundation. What do you, what do, you do now? I'm assuming you're not the security supervisor anymore. So back in oh, January of 2020, last year, mm-hmm. I took a step back from my supervisor roles and I went part-time there just to help out whenever needed. And I accepted the role of director of outreach and advancement for a children's charity based out of Waukee, Iowa. Okay. And that was an incredible experience. It was very cool. And at the same time, I was able to work and take the skills I learned from doing that to apply to my own foundation and grow that. And then uh, COVID happened and I got laid off. Ah. So I started doing my uh, construction with my brother at his company. Um, and I'm our interior design lead now. And this is my full-time job. Oh. And we're able to donate a portion of all of our profits from every job we do to my foundation. So even though it, my foundation is completely volunteer and it's, I mean, I just pay out of pocket for the website costs every month and, okay. you know, it's, it's fine. It's no big right. deal. It's 30 bucks <laughs> um, in a way I'm still working for the foundation. Yeah. So it's, it's, I'm very fortunate that I'm, you know, in good health where I'm able to work full time and support myself and afford my mortgage and student loans and still be able to help people in my spare time. Man, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, the goal with the Carson King foundation eventually is to grow to not only support Iowans, but people in the Midwest. And, you know, if, if, it's in the plan eventually than the country. Um, I'd like to be able to provide a service and not just support those who do provide services. Like if there's some type of, you know, way we can get involved with helping pay back medical bills or helping support people in need in different ways, I'd love for my foundation to get there, but obviously we're small. It's a board of four and uh, I, you know, basically run it on the weekends. I do everything for it. So, you know, with time we'll get there, but it takes uh, baby steps and we want to build a solid rock to uh, grow the foundation. I love your passion. Absolutely love it. I absolutely love it. When you find a, a young guy that's passionate about making a difference in the world, 
That is so awesome. I just absolutely love the passion. I love the foundation. I love the work that you're doing. Would you call that moment back at college game day divine? I would. I would. I think there was a purpose that I was there in that spot at that time. Um, I really think it was, you know, if there wasn't some higher power telling me that's where I needed to be at that exact moment, then, you know, I don't know what it was. Right. Well, I think it was divine. I think God put you there so that he could uh, use you in a mighty way. And it sounds as though he has. And we talk about enjoying the journey on this podcast. And it sounds like he's given you a wild ro roller coaster ride over the last little bit. Hey, roller coasters are fun. You know what I mean? Yeah. Throw your hands up and go. Right? <laughs> and no, it's just it's just awesome to see the passion and, and being used. And I, I honestly believe that the, the more and more doors can be opened. And uh, like you said, you grew up with values and one of those was faith. And I think by uh, leaning into faith, prayer, asking God to open doors. Yeah, your foundation can go nationwide. And yes, your foundation can provide services because he can he can do those things. He he can open those doors. Look what he did with a little sign on a on a TV or not even a TV show, but I mean a college game day show. Three million dollars in what was the time frame again? Two and a half weeks. I mean that's just crazy. Mm -hmm. All yeah. over. Hey, I'm holding up a sign so me and my buddies can have a good time. But in the end, we're actually going to give a whole bunch of money to people in need, especially kids. And that's oh, what yeah. my heart. I, I love when people get involved with with helping kids. I mean, I, I love it when you help anybody, but especially mm -hmm. youngsters. And, and that's just just awesome. Yeah, it was uh, it was different. I know when I told my mom the plans of the sign, she's like, oh, this is a proud mom moment. My kid's going to be <laughs> asking for beer money. Well, that's true. You know, <laughs> I, I may with my kids have thought that seriously, you're not putting that on TV. No, you're not, you're not putting that on TV. And then it gets used for this. And now uh, she's okay with it. She's okay with how it turned out. So that's the important part. I Mama's, bet. Mama's good with it. I bet she is. So do you get a, do you get a visit the uh, children's hospital every now and again? Every now and again. Uh, so with COVID, they're very restrictive on what they can do. Um, I know most of their employees are even working from home. Uh, so we've been able to do a couple toy fundraisers and stuff like that, toy drives for them. And that's been really fun. We've been able to drop it off in person. And then, you know, hopefully when things get back to normal, I'd love to go back and, you know, help out in any other ways I can. Um, but for right now, we're just doing what we can virtually and sure. you know, doing the, the financial support in any, any way possible. It might not be the biggest amounts, you know, now, but either way, anything helps. So it's ongoing then. It wasn't a one and done. You're, you're continuing to support the yeah. With the, with the funds we raised that three million, we started the King family fund, um, which is still open to this day and it continues to grow. There's people that still donate to it. Um, and I was able to earmark where everything goes. Uh, I didn't want admin fees. You know, I didn't want building maintenance. I didn't want them to buy a water fountain for the third floor. I wanted it to directly impact kids and families. So I was able to direct it to the uh, neonatal transportation unit, which is basically life light for, you know, premature babies. They're able to pick them up from wherever they are in Iowa in the Midwest, take them to the hospital mm -hmm. and give them the best care possible. Um, neonatal heart imaging systems uh, to better 
understand the development of the heart, which that's one of the main things with premature babies is their hearts don't develop right. Sure. So with that imaging, um, Dr. McNamara is able to look at it and say, this is exactly what we need to do to tailor this, this program to help this kid survive. Uh, continuing education for doctors and nurses, because obviously they're incredible at what they do and they deserve the best care possible and be able to provide that. So um, that's really important. The child life specialists, which they're, they're unsung heroes. Um, people that don't know what they are, they take the kids and they make them feel like kids again. And not only is that fantastic for the kid, but that's great for the parents because for those few minutes, for those couple hours, the parents are able to take a breath. They're able to go take a shower, to take a nap, to relax, to just kind of unwind and, you know, take a little bit of time for themselves because you're so focused and hyper-focused and hyper-vigilant on your kid. You're not focusing on yourself and understanding that you need, still need your, you still need to eat your meals. You still need to take a nap. You still need to shower, brush your teeth. And it's uh, it's a godsend for those kids and their, and their families. And uh, just a whole bunch of other fun stuff that we're able to uh, help out in that way. Man, it's, it's just awesome. We always like to close uh, the podcast with a question. We, we like to ask every guest. We call it enjoying the journey. If there was one person that you could be doing this journey with, who would it be? Oh man, I was incredibly, incredibly close with my grandma, Joan. Mm. Um, I, uh, she's in many ways, she's kind of helped shape me and my family to who we are and, you know, our values. And I really accredit most of my journey to her because without her and without, you know, her in my ear the entire time and her supporting our family and instilling her values in us, none of this would have happened. So I really think that uh, I'd like to have my grandma with me. Oh, that's awesome. That is awesome. And if there was anything you wanted to give our listeners today, maybe their journey is as exciting as what yours was a few years ago when that first sign went up, or maybe they're one of them receiving the funds that your foundation helps uh, provide. What would you, what would you tell them? Hang in there. Uh, If you get a chance to help someone take it because you're not changing the world at that time, but you're changing that person's world for that time. And that's just as good. Yeah. Amen. Thank you so much, Carson, for being on here. We appreciate it so much. And yeah, it's so fun to see what, see what you're doing. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Thanks for tuning in to the Enjoying the Journey podcast brought to you by Rise Ministries. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and to follow Rise Ministries on any of our social media channels. Thanks for listening.